This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the boat and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox scores five in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, everything considered. Um, there is just so much going on in the world right now. Um, today is so much going on with the NBA as well, which feels, you know, pretty insignificant, but also weirdly significant because people like yourself and myself um, have been, you know, in normal, in the normal world, uh, you know, during normal times, it's all we think about is basketball. So a really strange blend of feelings going on right now. Yeah, definitely can relate, obviously, with all the, the protests going on and completely understandably and I don't know how much there is to say on it. Um, I, I'm hoping and believe that this will all change the world for the better. Um, but in the end, this is sort of a basketball show. And while I'm not trying to necessarily say this whole stick to sports thing, um, I don't think that we are the people that anyone's coming to for opinions on this and trying to be the ones to solve these crazy world problems. Um so I think we can kind of give people a little bit of an outlet and escape from this in a way. Yeah, and if that's not where your head's at right now as a listener and you do want to talk about that or listen to people talk about that, I fully support that. Um, I, yeah, like you said, Brendan, we're not the most, I don't know, articulate or educated people on, on stuff like that necessarily. Um, obviously, you know, it's 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 such a difficult time, and I'll just speak for myself in saying that, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with people, um, journalists, other people that are employed by newspapers and, and stuff like that um, about if it's appropriate or, you know, smart for me to speak my mind about those things. And, you know, really I've gotten a resounding no on that. Um, and it's really tough because I would like to speak up quite a bit. Um, but, you know, ho- hopefully one day there's a lot more um, sports journalism and general journalism places that are allowing more opinion. Um, and, and to be clear, I haven't been told not to say anything, but, you know, I'm, I'm trusting the people that came before me to, to recommend the right path uh, because I have had teachers uh, in my journalism 
classes tell me specifically not to say certain things, um, not to express opinion on social or political matters, and it's tough because sometimes stuff like this, you really don't get it. That it could, I, I don't, I honestly don't get a lot of how it could be construed as political when, you know, we're talking about the lives and livelihoods of our fellow human beings. Yeah, the the greatest thing I've that's come of this for myself is just really being better educated on the struggles that colored people go through. And myself, like I'm a very privileged white male, to be honest, and just not fully comprehending. I've had, um, you know, a, a lot of stories be told to me and things like that, but to hear everyone come out and all of these hardships that people have to go through and being able to stand with them and support them and obviously understanding it's completely wrong and you see the George Floyd situation, countless other names that is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, at, at very least, what people can do is just educate themselves on this. And, uh, you know, someone that uh, was not very educated on this in the Kingsfield, it's Grant Napier, and he's out of a job now. Man, this is crazy. I, uh, yeah, I, man, it is so crazy. Um, 33 years. It's so tough because, like, <laughs> and so here's the thing, like, you know, just to separate what I was just saying from what the things that someone like Grant said, like, y- you can feel like the lives of all people matter, and I think that most people do, but to say it, as a response to someone asking you about the Black Lives Matter movement is, I don't want to get into it. It's so obviously a contrary position, yeah. and it's so tough because, like, it's it's just, I don't want to assume all of Grant's internal, you know, process, but it's a it's it's a bigger piece of a pattern, and, you know, people like uh, my colleague, uh, colleague, <laughs> peer fellow writer I don't know if we're calling we're not <laughs> professors at the same university but uh, uh, someone I respect greatly for their writings pointed out that it's it was really more of a, a straw that wrote the camel's back and she outlined that great in a great way for the Sacramento Bee um, yeah and I mean like again like <laughs> I don't even I'm kind of speechless about that response I mean if you if you aren't moved and from seeing Black people having their lives taken away, essentially for their their the color of their skin. Like I don't really know. I, I'm at a loss. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an extremely ignorant response. And my favorite sort of way to break it down was that you know if if your house was on fire and a and firefighters pull up and start spraying the house next to you because all all houses matter. It's just I, I mean there's clearly a portion of society that is struggling and needs help and to focus it on other portions just it's not doing any good um yeah there's but point is uh i mean not the point is but what it is now is grant napier is out of a job and i guess the sacramento kings are going to be looking for a new play-by-play guy um and uh i, I guess do you have you have names you want to throw out there is the deuce mason right Actually, I have an article coming out in Sacramento B uh, tomorrow morning. That's Friday morning with uh, a short list of of names and and yeah, uh, our friend from the podcast, Deuce Mason, is certainly on that list. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. It's I mean, it's got to happen fast too because uh, it was announced today that the season is returning. 
It was, and and I think you have a bit of a better grasp on it. Um, not that there's much to have right now with a lot of details still being ironed out, but do you want to sort of lay out uh, the basic idea of what the NBA has announced is going to be happening at the end of this month? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's pretty tentative. So, I mean, what we know is this. 22 teams are coming back. Uh, one of those teams is the Sacramento Kings, so uh, that's very exciting, certainly, for, for us and all of our friends in Sacramento. Um, there will be an opportunity for an 8-9 seed play-in for the final spot in both the East and Western Conference. Um, for that to happen, the 9 seed needs to be within four games of the 8 seed, and then uh, the lower seed will need to win two consecutive games. So essentially, say the Kings, um, after the eight regular season games are played, which uh, all 22 teams will play eight more games, uh, if they are just behind the eight seed, for example, say Memphis is ahead of them, uh, but the Kings are right behind with a two or three game, you know, two or three games out behind them, um, then the Kings will play the Memphis Grizzlies. If the Grizzlies win the first game, it's over. And if the Kings win the first game, it'll go to essentially a, a final, uh, I guess you'd call that a, 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 a knockout. <clears throat> yeah. One one game and you're in. Whoever wins that game would be the eighth, uh, eighth seed in the Western Conference. Uh, Denver Nuggets, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves from, what was it, like two, three years ago? Yeah, that was, that was wild. Yeah, and uh, there are four, five additional teams from the Western Conference that are not in that top eight that are going to be a part of this. You mentioned uh, 22 total aside from the eight teams in the East and eight in the West that are currently in the playoffs. There is one team from the Eastern Conference in the Washington Wizards, and then in the West you have the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. Um, the Suns being six games back from the Grizzlies, uh, whether... I mean, most people are kind of writing them off from this already, and I think that's somewhat fair to do with with the gap they'd have to close within eight games. And one notable thing, I'll say also, Zach Lowe did an amazing podcast breaking this down and will do it better than any of us did. So if you're looking for a full breakdown of this, definitely go check out the Lowe post. Um, And, yeah, I mean, Memphis obviously had a terribly hard schedule to close the year, and that was a lot of the optimism that Sacramento would be able to close the gap. And... While they're still working the schedule and it's likely that Memphis is still going to have to play a lot of tough teams, pretty much everyone that the Kings are going against as well is going to be high-caliber teams. You're not going to get to play against any of these teams that aren't going there, obviously. The bottom of the East, you know, the Hornets, Knicks, Pistons, Hawks, Cavs, or the Warriors, Timberwolves in the West. So everyone has a little bit of a harder schedule, which makes it a little bit tougher, but obviously weird circumstances and doing uh working with what we can and uh one thing I'll throw out for you is and I'm pretty sure I know the answer is how do you see Marvin Bagley working back into this I don't know you know that's another thing that I was planning on running about this week is that this is going to be a very revealing stretch of games um hopefully it's more than eight games but you know I think the odds are that it's only going to be eight games um and, yeah, those eight games could mean a lot. If he doesn't play, that tells you a lot because he will have been out for a very long time with injuries. Um, right. If he plays poorly, that's really bad. Um, but, like, I also think that if he played great in these eight games, 
it could do so much for his stock and his the way he's viewed not only by Kings fans but in the league. Um, I think it could honestly affect how the the Kings are approaching the draft as well. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Um, I think that Bielitsa starts no matter. I, I think that that's pretty clearly the way to go for me, with Holmes being debatably one of the best players on the team as well. Uh, probably not even debatably. I mean, Bagley is not fit alongside Holmes, and I don't know how much they really feel like playing with that. Um, and obviously this will have a lot of say in regards to the outcome of all this, where Sacramento is going to be drafting. Uh, and I don't have the draft day in front of me. Obviously, everything's getting pushed back. Um, but yes, a lot of this is going to change where they end up drafting. Yeah, and there is some news on um, how the lottery will work as well. I think it's yet to be confirmed through the league. I think there's still a few kinks that need to be worked out, especially regarding that schedule. Like you talked about, all, a lot of those teams are gone. So uh, it's been proposed that the teams just play the next eight opponents that are still in that group of 22, but that's not exact. That doesn't really add up in a lot of ways. So there will be need. Uh, there need to be some changes on that. Um, but the draft lottery is essentially set. Um, in other words, the current order that you see right now, if you look at Tankathon, that's how it will be, minus any teams that move into a playoff spot that were not there already. So say the Kings were to make the playoffs, they would no longer be picking, you know, in that 12th or 13th tiebreaker slot. They would move out of the lottery. But no matter what their record is, if they don't make the playoffs, they will still remain in that slot. So the teams will all still be picking based on their record before this group of eight games. That's interesting. I did not realize that. Um, Yeah, and obviously we're talking about like the 12-13 spot. Most of these player profiles we've been doing, we've been really talking about that spot for the most part with a chance of moving up. Um, And, yeah, I mean, do you want to just move into the two guys that we're going to kind of dive into today? Yeah, and I'll just bring up uh, – I'll definitely endorse that um, the Low Post podcast that talked about how, like, Washington could go into this and just intentionally lose all eight games and then suddenly have, like, uh, the fifth worst win-loss record in the league. And that you could – you know, they were talking – joking about how they could improve their lottery chances by doing that. So that's off the board. But – yeah, so Kings still stuck in that in that area, like still have that chance to move up to one or four, uh, one through four, uh, and other than that, will be in that 12-13 spot, or could make the playoffs and um, you know be 15th or 16th. So yeah, not a huge change from um, the way we've been preparing for things. And um, yeah, so the two guys that we're going to be profiling today are kind of in that, closer to that 15-16 range, I'd say. Um, maybe a little higher, a little lower, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. But we got Kyra Lewis Jr. of Alabama and R.J. Hampton, who played in New Zealand this season. Yeah, and I think this is another one that we could do these guys together. I think they're somewhat comparable and kind of go through their skills side by side. There are some decent differences, but... For the most part, these guys are ball in their hands, playmakers, and running the pick and roll with insane speed with both of them. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not think of it like that. I, I felt like there was enough difference that I didn't expect that. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're similar. I mean, 
the, the speed is definitely going to be a big deal for both of these guys, but pretty big differences in terms of body size, in terms of uh, shooting ability. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean. We can, we can go separate. Okay, we, we can do a blend. We, we can do a blend. Um, if you if we're talking about Hampton and you want to get off into comparing him to Lewis, totally cool with that. But I would like to start with RJ Hampton if if you're on board for that. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Yeah, that's fine with me as well. Um, I feel like I have a little bit of a better idea of Hampton, and Hampton was certainly more hyped going into the season and had a sketchy run in New Zealand, um, ended up playing 15 games, and the team had issues. He ended up getting injured. But six foot five with a 6'7 wingspan, about 185 pounds is what I was seeing, and... I mean, we mentioned a ridiculous speed. There's amazing athleticism across the board aside from from speed. Um, he's not jumping insanely, but he definitely has a nice vertical to him as well. Um, and, yeah, I mean, for the most part, the appeal of this guy coming in was his offensive game. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I think his defense is pretty rough. But, yeah, you're right. Um, the athleticism is a huge draw for Hampton. I think he's kind of got a Tyrese Halliburton type of body. Uh, A little more weight, obviously. I think he's got about 10 pounds on him. But in terms of the height, the wingspan, um, and, you know, pretty close in the weight as well, I think he's got like 10 10 more pounds of muscle or so. But uh, what do you think about that, first of all? I don't know. It would be hard to find 10 pounds of muscle on him. RJ Hampton's pretty skinny. Yeah, maybe it's not necessarily muscle. But, I mean, he's not – quite the twig that uh, yeah. that Halliburton is. But very similar body types, like I, I will say that. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely going to need to add weight and strength from day one. Not going to be as much of an emergency to do so as a guy like Halliburton, but it's a concern, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's, he doesn't really help himself by getting into uh, a low stance either on defense especially. But sticking with the offense here, um, you mentioned him as a ball in his hands type of guy. I don't think that I really see that from RJ uh, going forward. I think that that's where some of his upside is going to come from, but decidedly not a point guard is my understanding here. Decidedly not a primary initiator. I think the dribby, uh, dribble is pretty sloppy. Yes. I think uh, uh, he's a little too right-hand dominant. Um you know, I think he's got nice vision, but it's not like super high level stuff that he's doing. Uh, I 
I worry about his ability to create. I, I like the pick and roll stuff a little bit, but like as far as running an offense, I don't see it. I don't either. I guess my main thing was I don't know what he's doing when the ball isn't in his hands. Um, like I, there's some decent cutting, and he has that athleticism to him, but he's not really a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, the shot in general was a little sketchy, but we'll get to that. Um, the main reason, I, another big reason I thought these guys were somewhat comparable is both of them I feel like are best in transition, and that's where Hampton is really going to be able to make his impact, in my opinion, with having the ball in his hands. I think that, and even off-ball as well, but in transition when he's running, he's fairly often going to be the quickest one of the quickest guys on the floor and being able to blow past guys. And the decision-making is is decent. There weren't um, terrible turnovers uh, consistently or anything like that, and he did a decent job of some nice drop-off passes and hitting shooters. It, it's not amazingly next-level reads or anything like that, but I thought he had a passable vision and um, – and, and yeah, an okay change of speed that he was working with a little bit, but for the most part, I felt like his offensive damage was going to come in transition. And like you said, you know, a secondary playmaker in the pick and roll on offense, but even then I'm not the most comfortable with it because the appeal would be, you know, he can get to the rim, but he didn't finish very well. He didn't shoot very well with 29.5% from three. Um, so I mean, you're really putting a lot into these physical tools. And the idea is he's an offensive player. Like, you could point out flaws in almost every aspect of his game on offense. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of in that James Wiseman category of, like, fall in love with the physical tools type of guy. Um, I think that he could be, you know, obviously it's a different different deal because Wiseman is just, like, a mammoth of a man like a nine foot six standing reach or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, or not? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Standing reach. Um, so it's a different, different style of physicality, obviously as a guard, but um, yeah, I mean, like you said, go ahead. What do you think of a Zach Levine comp? And obviously Levine has progressed a lot becoming a primary ball handler in Chicago. And even though I don't think that's the best role for him, his shooting progressed a lot. And I don't think that Hampton's the shooter, but he reminds me of Levine a little bit on offense. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I can see him being a prolific transition dunker. Um, in the half court, you know, like you said, it's hard to really figure out what he's going to be. And what he's going to probably be is a, a cutter slasher type of guy. And that's not great. Like, I, I don't see – you don't see many lottery picks that are, are going to be making their money off slashing. Um, I think he could become a, a decent finisher, like at least the the wingspan is solid, like the height is solid for a guard. You definitely see the speed and the tra- the, the change of uh, pace, the slowing and the stopping and getting guys on his back. It's it's That's there. Um, I don't know that he has, like, the feel or the understanding to be, like, an amazing cutter, but I think that could come in time. And if he does tighten up the finishing, then... You know, that's there for him, but I, I, I'm not excited about him as a lottery pick, certainly. Yeah, I'm not either. And for both of these guys, Vassini's kind of pegged them in like a 10 to 20 range, which is a pretty wide window. Um, but, yeah, Hampton, I mean, I'm kind of saying more than likely you're talking a backup point guard. 
um, potentially for Lewis as well, but we'll get to that. And, yeah, I don't know. There's just, like I said, the appeal for him is all on the offensive end, and it was really hard to not see that, you know, he's not finishing effectively and he's hardly using his left hand, like you said. The shot, um, I mean, do you have some sort of faith in the shot that he could get to, like, 33, 34%? I mean, it's so hard to tell, right? Like, this New Zealand, the small sample size on an international team. Right. His His form was not the most encouraging, though. Like, the main thing I noticed, and I'm far from some shot doctor, but his feet were extremely close together. Yeah, uh, 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 you know, waist up, I think it's pretty decent. But, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of times where he's, like, yeah, he's doing, like, a pirouette. Like, he's got this ballerina feet going on where, they're, you know, his toes are touching when he's taking off. And it's a, it's a weird look. You know, can that be fixed? And would that spell huge improvement? Maybe. Again, like you said, not a shot doctor. So yeah. don't know for sure. And, like, even if you were – it's like hard to tell if you know even if we can say this guy could improve um will he is still another big question right and yeah i mean the issue with him running a pick and roll is guys are going to go under the screen and that's going to nullify a lot of his getting downhill ability even if he does have a ridiculous first step um because he can't punish them for going under from from again the small sample size we've seen but the shot just wasn't the most encouraging there and that's going to limit him on offense, really. And then if we move over to the defense, he has the physical tools of, aside from being thin, that kind of limits him to playing the one slash the two. He has some decent length with like a six seven, six eight wingspan, and the lateral quickness is there. He gets off the ground fast to contest shots, but he's just not really engaged. Like he doesn't really look like he wants to defend. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's, like, by far the biggest issue is, like, he falls asleep or just doesn't care, one of those two. And it's it's not like I, – I, I want, I'm tempted to say he's not an effort guy, but it's more like he's a very selective effort guy. Like, yeah. when he wants to, he puts in great effort and shows great hustle, but you don't see him wanting to all that much. And additionally, we talked about the buck 85 – like, he's not a physical guy, and unless he adds, like, 20 pounds in the league, yeah, I mean, I guess he is kind of stuck as this longer point guard. Um, he would have some switchability with the wingspan. Um, you want to hope that a guy like Hampton could, you know, switch on to ones and threes. I think he's – I see him more of a, of a shooting guard than a point guard. I, I have a low – I think I have a lower feeling about his – ball handling than you do, um, so I'd worry about him being an, a primary initiator. Yeah, his ball handling's really loose. It's You're bad. definitely right about that. Do you see him more as a one or, or a two? Um, I just didn't see him do much off the ball, and, and admittedly, like, it, it was hard to watch a lot of film on him with being in New Zealand and all that, like you said, limited amount of games. So I just don't know what impact he's having when he's not on the ball for the most part, not being able to shoot. And like you said, there will be some cutting that will be somewhat encouraging. Um, But, yeah, it's probably – he needs another initiator next to him pretty much. Like he cannot be the primary playmaker. There's no way. Absolutely. And I think that's a great transition into Kyra Lewis Jr. as well. 
because yes. while he is a point guard, undoubtedly, I don't think that he's giving you enough advanced reads to be your primary initiator. Uh, but there's a lot of other ancillary skills to like about this guy, um, starting with the shooting, which is definitely there for him. Um, I'll say, like, on all levels, pretty much. Um, 36.6% from three, uh, 80% from the free throw line, 46 from the field. I mean, he feels like he's going to be an efficient scorer. He does. And same as RJ Hampton. I mean, Kyra Lewis was – Kyra, Kira? I always mess this up. I, I believe it's Kyra. Okay. I heard it before this, but now I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Okay, so Kyra Lewis, um, probably one of the fastest players in college basketball and really is able to use that in transition. But in the half court, the difference between him and RJ Hampton is this jump shot. If a guy goes under a screen, Kyra Lewis is pulling it. And it, like you said, hitting it at a decent clip, 36% on nearly five attempts is certainly encouraging. And we definitely should mention he's a sophomore, but he is still 19 years old. He was he started every single game of his freshman year at Alabama, and he was 17 years old for most of that. Um, That's crazy. I did yeah, not know that. Yeah, he is a full year younger than freshman one-and-done Cole Anthony. That's wild. Um, yeah, both these guys, by the way, if we didn't get Hampton's age up there, both are 19, uh, both will be 19 at the draft, which, by the way, also announced uh, October 15th. So okay, that's kind of cool, but we, we, gotta, we actually got an end date for this thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, so young, super-duper-duper duper fast, like insanely fast, but not a strength guy. This was the lowest – weight of any prospect I've seen in a very long time. Uh, I believe he's listed at 165. Yeah, I saw between 165 and 170. Um, Yeah, that's definitely going to be a concern from him. There's only 10 players in the NBA currently below 180. Chris Choza, who is on uh, Houston, I believe, Mike Conley, Yogi Ferrell, John Morant, Shabazz Napier. Oh, I was going to guess a couple Sorry. I was going to say Shabazz. Uh-huh. You want to throw it Kyle, out? Does Kyle Guy count as an NBA player? He's not in here, actually. <laughs> he probably should count. Chris Paul, Ish Smith, uh, Lou Williams, Dennis Schroeder, and they threw Tremont Waters in here, too. So I feel like Kyle Guy should be in here. He should be. I'm surprised that uh, Chris Paul's on that list. That dude, he's pretty thick. I don't know. Yeah. But got a little bit of a small size. But, yes, uh Kyra Lewis, definitely a point guard, and, and like you said, a lot of his issues are going to come with that size being very thin, and while he has some somewhat encouraging finishing to him, mainly with his right hand as well here, um, the issue with his size most of the time he is easy to get bumped off of his spot, which adds some concern there, um, but Part of my issue with Hampton, like I was saying, is most of the reason I have him on ball is because I don't know what he's doing off ball. Kyra Lewis, literally just because of that shot, and he's shown it that he can do it in a catch-and-shoot situation, is functional off the ball as well. Yeah, he is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And that's exciting because, like, I that really opens up the type of teams that he will work on. Um, obviously, his height and wingspan will be issues there. Um, I've seen him listed at 6'3", with a 6'5.5-inch wingspan. 
but, you know, those I feel like are a little bit generous as well. Uh, on defense, he's going to be stuck as a one. I don't see him guarding any twos with that frame, unfortunately. So, like, while Hampton may have the ability to, to potentially one day switch one through three, uh, that's not going to be an option for, for Kyra Lewis Jr. Yeah, Kyra could, assuming puts on some weight, could switch to twos, um, I, I would say. But, yeah, for, and in regards to where he's making an impact on defense, I think he is somewhat of a defensive playmaker. I mean, 1.8 steals, and he does a good job of reading and jumping passing lanes, and since he's so quick, he's able to get to the ball very quickly. Um, and my understanding is Alabama has a very stay-home philosophy defensively, so the thought process is that he could be even more of a defensive playmaker than what was shown. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some decent defense to him, but like you said, it is limited to that one spot for the most part and, you know, maybe some minutes at the two in the future. Not primarily, but if you were to switch on to the two, you could get away with it for a while. I'm not as confident in that. I, I see him as totally stuck at the one defensively. Um, I mean, because even if he adds 20 pounds, like, it's still not going to be. I guess he is still super thin. <laughs> yeah, with 24, yeah. that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, but, like, the thing is that he can play with a little bit more versatile lineups where you can – I mean, it, there's still issues, though. Because he's not an elite playmaker, because he's not, um, you know, like, a, I don't know, Chris Paul, obviously. I mean, it, obviously he's not a Chris Paul, but he's not even like a starting level uh, point guard NBA playmaker type. I'm trying to think of, like, guys that are maybe his level of playmaker. Um, I got a guy that you love. Yeah, and I, yeah. I mentioned his name. What do you think of Dennis Schroeder? Oh, God. Not that's necessarily an efficient but play bad. That's really not a bad. Uh, but maybe a, a nicer guy. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Off the court. But I um, heard a lot of good things about uh, Kira's intangibles, his you know, work ethic and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, he seems to be a leader as well. Like, I, it's – pretty undeniable the way that he plays. Like, he plays with a lot of heart as well. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I could see him. But that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I admit it. What do you – in regards to the playmaking between the two, which do you feel is better there? I'm going to say Kira because I believe that his – when he makes a pass, I think it's a better executed pass. Um, I would say that RJ maybe has a little more vision. But my hope would be that Kyra, uh, Kyra Lewis would figure out um, some more advanced reads, be put in that situation, yep. and kind of watch and learn from the bench for a little while, and you know become an NBA mind and understand NBA passing. And because when he when he needs to make a pass, when he decides to make a pass, he makes that pass, and it's usually a rocket, and it's usually right on the money. Um, it's just more like that, you know that second, third defender that he's trying to read, that that's where – I mean, he doesn't really even attempt to do that that much. Yeah, I I don't know how great of an explanation this is, but I feel like Hampton is more feel and Kyra Lewis is really reading the court like you, like you were getting at there. Yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, like a, a feel versus ability. I, I think that is – yeah, like feel versus execution. I don't know that – 
Kyra is um, super inventive uh, with his mm-hmm. play, where Hampton can do some really fun, interesting stuff. Yeah, Hampton had some flashes against – it's a preseason game, but New Zealand played against uh, OKC, and he had some really interesting plays in there. But that's mainly what it is with Hampton, is you're going to get a lot of flashes, and that had people excited. But my understanding, and Vassini really pointed this out, is that the more film that people are watching, the more skeptical they're getting of Hampton, and he thinks he's a guy that really would have benefited from – having all these draft workouts and obviously people getting to see his athleticism in person. But with that not happening, uh, it's likely that Hampton ends up falling and Kira Lewis is a name that keeps on rising. I mean, if you look at, I, I always like to throw out Vecini's big board and mock drafts and in the big board, Kira Lewis went 12th or sits 12th and RJ Hampton sits 20th. And then if you want to talk the mock draft, 13th for Kira Lewis and 18th for RJ Hampton. It's interesting. I got one more comp here. Um, not a real comp, but um, as a as a style comp, is Kyrie Lewis like De'Aaron Fox light? I definitely saw Fox in, in Kyra Lewis, yeah. And, and obviously, like, the speed really just instantly makes you think of Fox from watching him so often covering the Kings. Um, but, yeah, I, I see it. There's like some decent finishing. I would say that, yeah, obviously the difference is like Kira has a little bit of a better jumper and then Fox probably has a little bit better playmaking. Yeah, I mean, you take everything down a notch, I guess, except for the jumper. But yeah. if you take everything down a significant notch and you just think about like the style, well, honestly, with both of these guys, like what I kept thinking about, so I'm trying to, we're obviously trying to tie this back in with the Kings because of the Kings podcast. But, you know, I'm trying to think about how these guys fit with the Kings and I'm like, Oh, you know, and and, and Bryant West, friend of the show, has pointed this out before, and he's just saying like he would be a fantastic backup to Darren Fox yes. because he could keep that pace. I um, 100% agree. I think yeah, both of these guys, you'd be talking about them as potential backup point guards if you're thinking for the Kings. I mean, for the Kings, I was trying to think of like when or how they would like these guys, and I think that both of them would have been a great pick for last year's Kings, right? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the super high-paced Kings, the Dave Yeager Kings, if they didn't trade away that, you know, 14th pick to Boston, uh, like that eventually to Boston, um, to Philly first, mm-hmm. uh, like that would have been like, you know, that type of, like if these guys were there then, right. you know, that may, have never been, stops. that may have been pretty, pretty great. Yeah, I definitely see that. Um, I I had the same thought. And in this draft, I mean, like I said, Kira seems to be rising. So I would assume that, you know, if Sacramento did like him, they'd have to take him at 12-13. And I just don't agree with that compared to some of the wings or four or fives that might be available. If it was a situation where, you know, he happened to be there at 20 and Sacramento traded down um, from moving up in the lottery or something like that, I don't hate him as a backup point guard. Like you said, I think that he brings the same play style as Fox and you don't have to change to much a slower offense when you're looking at like a Corey Joseph. But if you're talking 12, 13, I'm really not a fan of these guys for Sacramento. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I actually have them on my, on my big board on, on, on my rolling big board that we've been doing. Um, we're 16 guys deep. I have them 15, 16. Yeah. 
And Kira's 15, uh, right? Uh, yes, correct. Uh, City Bay, I think, is close. I have them at 14, but it's pretty close there. Um, they're pretty close to being in a tier together. Right now, I've got them separated by tier. I kind of have um, Bay in his own tier right now at 14, and then Lewis and Hampton below him. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I could see the argument, but, like, really you're drafting kind of a bench guy, I think, at that point, and that's – yeah, I mean, it's just still tough when when these guys aren't home run swings. When like when you look at these guys and like, well, he's probably never going to be more than a bench player for this team. It's it's tough. Yeah, and and Hampton specifically, I mean, he is going to need some playing time. Like he's more of a project in my eyes, and I don't see Sacramento as a team that's really looking to give a bunch of minutes to project players more than they already kind of do with Bagley and. Giles if he stays around he's a huge project and of everyone that we've done so far I've been like giving them ceiling and floor rankings as well and Hampton's got the lowest floor of any of the guys by I think a a good amount yeah there's a real chance that Hampton just doesn't work out at all that all the infatuation with him is just the athleticism and and nothing else ends up working out for him on the flip side, I'd say he's probably got a higher ceiling than uh, Kyra yeah. Lewis. Lewis, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. So, it's, yeah, I think they're pretty close. I got them in a tier together, but, um, yeah. And then going over to a King-specific big board, uh, neither of these guys cracked my top ten. Uh, but, again, if the Kings are picking 12-13, I, I, I kind of have Lewis in the mix here. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think that that's, you know, unfortunately he's not going to be in the mix really if, like, because if LaMelo Ball is there, even though the fit's terrible, you still take LaMelo and you trade him, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think, like, he's pretty close to Tyrese Maxey, I'd say. Like, who if you had to pick Maxey or Lewis, who would you go with here? Mm, I would go Maxey because... I mean, the defense is probably more valuable to me there, and I think that Maxi will still have an impact on the offensive end. Um, and if you're just talking a a backup guard, I mean, you saw the reason Corey Joseph was brought in, you really needed some defense from your backup guard. And why, while Kira will get you maybe some steals and playmake a little bit on that end, I don't think he's necessarily – altering the game much with his defense? Well, I think that Maxie will do that. Um, what do you think of Cole Anthony compared to these guys? Because you were pretty low on Cole Anthony. Yeah, as far as Kings fit, I have Anthony last of anyone we've done. I would prefer Kyra Lewis to Cole Anthony for this team. Um, I think you could, though, you know, you could take Cole Anthony and, and trade him probably. And Yeah, yeah I, I think you'd probably do better than... Kyra Lewis with that trade, but um, I don't know. Maybe not. I, I I don't know. I mean, would you rather have that all offensive point guard that's like creating shots for himself, or a guy that's kind of a a, a crazy speed speed demon like uh, Lewis? For the Kings, I'd I'd probably have Lewis, even though I think Anthony pretty clearly has a better a higher ceiling. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would lean Lewis. And but again, I, I don't 
I don't know. I, I don't like either of these guys that much for Sacramento. I, I think that I, I see where you're coming from with Lewis specifically um, as a backup guard, but I don't know. I think there's decent wings that I think a, you know, Finney Smith, a, a Bay is available. I, I'm definitely giving those guys a look uh, before Lewis. And then I think some of these next guys that we get to as well in, in the next couple of shows, I'd probably consider over just because at this point, I feel like we're getting into a really big tier and it's just going to be at that, at that point you can draft or fit a little more. Yeah, I strongly agree. And I think that Patrick Williams or precious, precious Ashua uh, could be in this tier. I think those are the guys we're going to do next. I could definitely see preferring them um, because at this point, like I think it'd be a slightly different story if Corey Joseph were on the team, but since you've got your backup point guard there for up to two more years, you probably just don't use your lottery pick on a point guard. Right. And we all know Poku's there. She's going to Sacramento anyways. Yeah. Well, what about what about that final scenario where, you know, it's been announced the season is going to continue, the Kings do have a shot to make it, um, on that low podcast, they talked about, according to Kevin Pelton's analytics or whatever, you know, they got a 25% chance to make the play-in game and whatever, maybe the Kings have a 10% chance to make the playoffs. What if they drop to pick 16, say? I mean, then are you looking at, you know, screw it, this guy matches the style of Darren Fox and he can be his, his backup for years to come? I mean, would you – take pick 16 on uh, Kyra Lewis? I would strongly consider it, yeah. And I think that Kyra, while I do think he's part of this big tier we're kind of getting to, I think he's definitely towards the top of it. Um, and that's the reason you kind of see him sneaking into the lottery at certain times. So, yeah, at that point, yeah. I definitely would. Yeah, and then again, it goes back to, you know, our guys like Patrick Williams on the board and yeah. how fascinating is he. So we'll get into those guys next week. And, um yeah, we'll, we'll have an answer to that question. Yeah, I've always, I've also always been a big Trey Jones guy, which who knows if we'll get to at some point. He's not a great fit, but uh, yeah, maybe because I like Tyus a lot. But anyways, um, I think that's going to do it, man. You got anything else? That's it, man. Um, these are some really crazy times, really difficult times. Uh, if you're going through it, um, feel free to reach out to us, um, even if, you know, I know personally, even if I don't feel super comfortable being vocal about certain things, I do feel a lot of ways, and I would um, like to talk to you on a personal level, and um, I can share my thoughts with you on that, and, and I it will, I am, and I will continue to, you know, discuss these important things with, you know, friends and family and all that, and, and um, hopefully we can uh, do more in the future as well. Definitely, and, and last thing I'll throw in here, uh, Harrison Barnes had tweeted out there's a peaceful protest march from the Golden One Center down to the Capitol Building, and that's this Saturday, June 6th at 10 a.m., and I plan on being there. There's going to be Matt Barnes, Bobby Jackson, uh, who, uh, who knows who else will be there, so anyone wants to come out to that um definitely yeah let us let me know and I'll, I'll be there if you want to say hi or anything like that but everybody stay safe during these times and thank you to listening thank you for listening to this episode of the king's pulse podcast you hear from us again in the next couple of days hey this is megan rapino and i'm sue bird 
We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.